My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Hello. This is War Air Boswell, and this is another episode of The Measurables powered by revolt today we have a good friend of the show a friend of mine and yours there are people that you see around town and people that you see at very important events and you may ask yourself who is that guy who is that gal who are they this is one of those individuals he's a gentleman who's been doing jewelry for many years incredible pieces Super Bowl rings, NBA rings. As a matter of fact, he most recently did the championship rings for the Golden State Warriors. A friend to the program, Mr. Jason Arashevin. Thank you. Thank you, Warrior, for having me. Uh, I'm excited to be on, especially, you know, we've known each other so long. It's uh, amazing and an honor to be able to sit over here with you and, and, and talk. Yes, yes. So before we get into anything, I always ask people, whenever they come on the, the podcast, how do you feel? How's your mental right now? I'm feeling honestly blessed and happy. Mm. Um, I'm in a good space right now. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling motivated. If I wake yeah. up in the morning and I'm, I have a smile on my face and I'm motivated for the day, I know that I'm in a good space. So I really, I'm, I'm feeling good. Absolutely. So you've been in business I mean, I've, I've been in business 20 years. Me too. Same and so, thing. Yeah. So, you know, what was, we're all human, so we're all perfectly imperfect, right? Mm-hmm. When you find yourself facing adversity, what are the things that you do to really like, you know, level set yourself and break free of like whatever? Because, and, and, and before you answer, the reason why I say that is because I used to say I'm, I'm, I'm having a bad day. But you're never having a bad day. You're having a bad moment within a day. So that being said, how do you level set yourself? Well, I do three things, right? I, I look in the mirror and I, I talk to myself and I say, this too shall pass. Because right. no matter what you go through in life, like you said, it's just one episode of a long season. Right. And this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. I also have the undying belief that I will never lose. And I have confidence in myself that sure. although this too shall pass, I shall conquer this very moment. And mm-hmm. I feel confident that I'm that I'm able to do that, and I know that I will. And then the third trick, which is something my actually my father used to tell me when I was a kid, and I was real emotional, and I was upset because I wasn't invited to a party, or I was, you know, whatever the kids go through. My, you know, my father used to sit down and say, "Okay, I, now I want you to look at this adversity you're facing, and I want hmm. you to, I want you to visualize." the worst case scenario of this. Like, what is the worst thing that can happen? <laughs> right. And then I want you to visualize yourself overcoming that worst case scenario. Right. Because it can never, it, it, 
you, you know, no matter what obstacle you face in life, whether it be in a relationship, whether it be in business, you know, oh, I didn't get a big deal or I lost a big deal or right. my, my marriage didn't work out or my friendship didn't work out or somebody stabbed me in the back and mm -hmm. that I trusted. And you, you think and you say, OK, well, like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Wow. And no matter what in my business, I always, you know, you always get down when uh, like it, it, I love what I do so much. I'm so passionate about what I do. So yeah. when I get those obstacles and I have those moments of, of, of defeat, which right. we all will have, right? I, I sit back and I think, I said, what's the worst thing that can happen? The worst thing is in my business, I go bankrupt. I lose everything. Mm. You take all the money and all the property and all the business I ever have, but guess what? I have a reputation. Mm -hmm. I have a strong will. Right. And I have relationships. And no matter how bad it gets, I'll build right back up. So I, always, I those are the three things I kind of go through every single time I, I face an obstacle. And I think uh, one of the three or all three of them always help me get through it. Wow. That is a uh, embarrassment of blessings of an answer. That's amazing, <laughs> bro. Key, key, key phrase in that was even if I go all the way down, I'm going to build back up. That's amazing. So speaking of that, like we're all, we all have points of origin. Where are you from originally? Well, I was, I grew up in Los Angeles. Uh, mm -hmm. I was born in Iran. Uh, mm -hmm. My parents, I, I'm a son of two immigrant uh, parents. My father's from Iran. My mother's from Norway. Mm -hmm. My mother's European, blonde hair, blue eyed. And my dad is dark and hairy. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> we left Iran during the revolution. I was only three. We moved to the United States. I do oh. not come from a lot of money. We came over here. Uh, in search for uh, a, a better, better life, better, better life, like every immigrant that comes. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we, my father built up and built a small little business for himself that eventually went into real estate. And then I, I, I lived in Northridge, then uh, went to high school in Calabasas and then ended oh. up going to UCLA. Yeah. And at what point did you say jewelry is what I want to do? Because it sounds like your father was many things, philosopher being one. Mm -hmm. But how did how did you find yourself doing jewelry? How were you? How did you find yourself in a jewelry space? So what's funny is that I never would have ever guessed I would be in the jewelry business, and I would never even dream that I would be in a business such as jewelry. And when I was it, I was always I was always great at school. So mm -hmm. my father says, well, well, you know, listen, my son is good at school. So he's either going to be an attorney, he's going to be a doctor, he's going to be right. an engineer, he's going to be right. one of these, like, right. these professions that, that are- Right, the top five professions. Highly regarded professions. So right. when I was a sophomore at UCLA, I was $28,000 in debt and had to figure out a way to get out of it. Right. So as a result, I started, I, what I, I ended up going to the wholesale district downtown with a girl that I was dating at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I noticed that there was an area where you could buy plastic hair clips and silver trinkets by the dozen. And I was like, hmm, there, there's an idea here. Let me see. I'm, I'm on a campus with 2,500 students minimum. I have, I have more than 2,500. Shit, I think it's like 20,000. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, 20,000 yeah, yeah. students, um, all of which have to uh, – most of which come from families that have money because they have to be able to afford right. a, a university such as right. that. And half of them are girls. So now you got 10,000 girls, and I was like, I can sell this stuff to the girls on campus. So I went and I made a deal with UCLA. I went to the, I went to the administration. I said, listen, I want you to harness and encourage my entrepreneurial spirit, and I want to set up a six-foot table on campus, and I want to be able to sell to the girls on campus. They said no. 
Hair clips, hair clips. Hair clips and so, like little silver $10. Little doodads. Yeah, little doodads, exactly. So I they, they said no at first. Well, I don't take no for an answer ever. Right. Um, so I came back and I came back and I was persistent. And then eventually they were so sick of hearing from me that they said, you know what? Make it worthwhile for us. I said, no problem. I'm going to give 20% back to the school. I want, you, I want you to set me, uh, let me set up a six-foot table. I just want to do it for one quarter, and that's it. They said, you know what? You have it. So I got it. I took $400, which I really didn't have, and bought by the dozen this stuff from a nice Korean lady in downtown Los Angeles mm -hmm. on Maple Street. And I set up my six-foot table, and I sold $800 that day. That day. Well, now, hold on one second, because UCLA is such a... A humongous campus. Where, where were you in the Commons? I was in the North Campus. Okay, I was in North Campus, and I set up and I sold eight hundred dollars that day. And I said to myself, "This this eight hundred dollars it cost me about one hundred fifty dollars a product I sold, my cost. So that means six fifty. You take out the twenty percent, that's one hundred and sixty dollars. So I'm still netting close to five hundred, a little under five hundred dollars that day for one day's work. For one day's work, and what's better than that? I'm literally sitting there flirting with girls all day. <laughs> I'm selling right. and I'm making money. There, right. there was nothing better than that. So that quickly turned into a business. Five days a week? Five day, seven days a week? Five days a week I was doing it. I was doing. I eventually had North and South Campus. By, <laughs> by the time I was a senior. Franchised. Yes. By the time I was a senior, I had six college campuses going at the same time. All UCs? All, uh, Cal State LA, UC Santa Barbara, UCLA, uh, USC, Cal State Northridge, you were on CSUN's campus? Yeah, I, I went on, to CSUN. Yeah, I was on CSUN's campus. I would have students working for me getting paid commission. But how – earmark what you're about to say for a second because it, 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 it's a lot to unpack here. Mm -hmm. How does one find you to know that this is a <laughs> – that this is an opportunity that I could franchise? How, how are people – Explain this to me. Well, I just replicated what worked. Is I, you know, once I had a proven model at UCLA, I went to Cal State. Uh, getting a referral to UCSB was very easy because it was within the right. UC uh, the family. But I went to Cal State LA and I said, "Listen, I have a proven model. Uh, UCLA is making X amount of dollars. They're 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 encouraging students. I'm providing jobs for students on campus, and I think this is an excellent opportunity for you to." Give jobs to students on campus yeah. and make money, and this is a win-win. And you provide an, an added attraction on campus for the students. They they love the idea. We went ahead and did it. It was wildly successful. And at that point, I said, "Okay, I need to scale this business." At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures in collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League. State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Right. And so I was always a gifted drawer. Mm -hmm. I always, my mother wanted me to go to art school. My father didn't because he said there's no money there. So he wanted me to have a real profession. So, But I was able to utilize my creativity at this point. I was wow. able to – what I did was I would draw ideas or designs, and then I would have them made in China. And I was like making enough money at the time that I would have, now I would have my own original designs. You're talking about, 
I'm talking about things that cost me a dollar each, two dollars mm-hmm. each. Right. And I saw the girls on campus were flocking to it and they were they they liked it. So I said, I'm gonna take this a step further. I'm gonna set up a a an acrylic display with about fifteen to twenty items in it. And I'm going to dr- drive down and go to every nail salon, every hair salon, and I would tell them, I'm gonna leave it on your desktop, on your countertop where you check out at. Yeah. You don't have to give me any money, but I'm gonna come back in two weeks. We're gonna check what you sold. And you're going to cut me a check, and I'll replenish your inventory. Well, I started it on Ventura Boulevard all the way at Calabasas and moved my way all the way to Universal City. Wow. Then I went to Newport Beach. Then I went to San Diego. Then I went. Then I had 400 nail and hair salons selling my stuff on their counter. And at that point, I was getting ready to graduate from UCLA. My father wanted me to go to law school. I said, you know what? I'm making, back then, $200,000 a year. As a college student, that's equivalent to maybe five hundred thousand, half a million dollars today. That's amazing. Now, were you on scholarship, or was your family paying for you to go to UCLA? No, I was getting. They were paying for me to go to UCLA. I was. I ended up having to pay for it because my father did a deal with me. I, I had to pay for it. Right. And I and I had big spending habits, so that's why I was twenty eight thousand dollars <laughs> in debt. I was going out every night. Right. Right. So, anyways, I I at that point decided that I was not going to go to law school. My father was absolutely devastated. My mother was devastated. Wow. My father wow. told me that the business I'm in is is a nomadic business, not a real career. It's, you know, you're just, you're, he equated it to just being just a sleazy little uh, peddler of cheap stuff. And, wow. and he, he said it's not a real profession. So he didn't, him and I didn't talk for two years because of this. Are you serious? He was that disappointed in me. So holidays birthdays you go i mean is he like you're not my son whenever you see you he just he would just i would see my mother and we would just ignore each other and and because he was disappointing me he thought i was throwing my life away wow i at that point i was making good money Mm -hmm. now what does a 23 year old 20 uh, 23 year old 22 year old do when they're making that much money well they spend it and they go hard they go hard and that's hard and that's what i did so i was doing what no mother or father want their child to do I was partying my face off. Right. I was out and about every single night. I was at the clubs every single night. If I made $20,000 that month, I spent $20,000 that month. Jeez. And now you might look at it and say, that's stupid. My parent, my mother looked at it and said, you're an idiot. Wow. I would probably look at my own son and say, that's stupid. Right. Well, let me tell you what I was doing. I was doing the best self-promotion and marketing of myself wow. that I could have ever done without even knowing it. Wow. I went in the, I went out every night and I started building relationships. Why? Because I'm accepted as an equal to other wealthy people. I'm sitting next to mm-hmm. professional basketball players. I'm sitting next to uh, celebrities and I'm right. getting tables right next to them. But I wasn't able to capitalize on any of these relationships. And Why? Because I, you didn't have anything. I yet? didn't have. A, they're not. Were they going to buy a plastic hair clip for for fifteen dollars? Right. There was a. But what I did see is I recognized an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I would see. I never forget. I would. I, I was sitting at a table and I would see. I saw Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles, and it was the Clipper team at the time, and all of them were in these big jewelry. I'm like, I, 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 I got to figure out how to make that. Like, how do I do that? How do I, how do I, how do I sell them that? I'm friends with them. I'm cool with them. They know me because they see me all the time. How do I, how do I provide a service? I see an opportunity. How do I provide a service? Okay. So 
I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to figure out how to be in this jewelry business. So I was a gifted drawer, like I said, and I would see these athletes wearing these big medallions, and I would sit mm-hmm. down at home and I would draw stuff. And I would go, and I'm like I said, I'm very persistent, so I would be tapping them on the shoulder, hey, you know, I'm Jason, you see me all the time, da, da, da. I want to design your next chain, I want to design your next chain. I got told no hundreds of times. And That's the story of the entrepreneur. Absolutely. And right. you never take no for an answer. You keep Correct. trying, you keep plugging away. Correct. Then one day... A, a basketball player by the name of Anthony Mason says to me, "You know what? You've asked me three times. Come to my come to my hotel tomorrow. We're playing the Lakers, but you can come before shoot around. Come to the Ritz Carlton Marina Del Rey and bring all your your jewelry." Wow! I said, "Okay, sounds good. I'll be there." I immediately left the club, thinking to myself, "What jewelry am I going to bring? Considering the fact that I'm not even in the diamond business, nor do I really know anything about it." Wow! So what did I do? I started taking out magazine clippings. I went on the I went online and saw what pictures I could find online. I would cut it out. I would literally put it on almost like on construction paper, like I was like a third grader doing an art project. <laughs> and I made a makeshift catalog. I wow. head over to the the Ritz Carlton. He said, "Where's your jewelry?" I said, "I don't I don't do I don't carry jewelry. I, I, do, I don't carry jewelry. I'm a bespoke jeweler. Everything's made to order." Like that's a bar right there. Yeah, right. Wow, on the spot. Yeah. So he he looked and he said, "How much is that bracelet?" I threw a number out, not even you? knowing, not even knowing. Right. I just said forty thousand, and he's like, "Sounds good." What do you need from me? I said, "I need a twenty thousand dollar check, and I'm going to get started." He gave me twenty thousand dollar check, and I was at that very moment, I was in the jewelry business, just like that. I had to figure out how I was going to get it made. I I ru- I went downtown to the jewelry district. I started asking around, started asking questions. I I had someone who ripped me off completely to make the first one for me. Absolutely. I made a couple thousand dollars, almost nothing, but I understood how to the, I had a stepping stone. I had a starting point. Wow. And from that point on, I just built my business one client at a time and you know, like you said, you saw me out all the time. I was, kept plugging away. I kept plugging away. And then as that business grew, I I downsized and basically went it extinct my other business, the the low end stuff, because I knew that there was much more scalability, there was much more room for growth in at the, in high, the end. high end. Yeah. So so it's interesting that you say what you just said. One of my vendors, uh, we were having a conversation and he does all of my leather goods. He said, Boz, what I want you to understand is, you know, you can have mid price goods, but in terms of managing overhead and knowing where your money is going to come from, the higher the price point, you know specifically how much you're going to get because you're not making a ton of it. So if you make a couple of pieces and they sell, I mean, like, you know, like there, 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 there are breadcrumbs that you can follow versus just like making something for $5 and making a thousand of them and none of them sell. So it's very interesting that you say what you just said. So in your answer to me, you really answered my next question, which was, how was your family instrumental in the growth of your business? And were, would you say that they were instrumental because they looked at it as a, um, well, actually, you touched on two things. When you were selling the hair clips, that's what your father was upset about. That's mm-hmm. what your mother was upset about. Mm-hmm. It so, wasn't a career. Yes. So when you get into the ice business, the diamond business, do opinions change from your family or is it still the same? It definitely changed. Um, Why? Because the perception of it being high end, the perception of it being prestigious, luxurious, I think changed it. Right. Now, with my own children, I would say that if whether they were selling clothes hangers or they were selling high end jewelry, as long as it's a business they enjoy 
You're going to let them do it. And I'm going to let them do it because if they enjoy it, they're going to be successful. Mm-hmm. But my parents were very instrumental in allowing me and prepping me to be what I am today. They taught me the lesson of hard work mm-hmm. because they came here with nothing and without barely speaking English, even to this day, and they and they were able to survive and, and make it. Wow. They taught me to treat people with respect mm-hmm. and you treat the busboy the same way you would treat the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Correct. And that, that ability to give everyone the same level of respect is what was one of the building blocks of my business because it helped me allow, and allowed me to build relationships, network properly. Because a lot of my clients, you'd be surprised, people are like, oh, God, you got to hang around. The, you know, I got some of my biggest clients from people you would never guess. They're barber, they're security, they're, because I give everyone the same right. respect. Right. I didn't I didn't build this business on my own. I I worked hard, but I had a lot of people that helped me that they took to me as a person, as Jason that said, "Listen, I'm going to, you know, uh, some of them you know, right? right. Like like hits, like right. like Biz Marquee. Wow. Like Biz Marquee? Biz Marquee is actually one of one of the he was my th- the third client I ever had. He he started bringing me people in the music business and started wow. really because he actually saw my drive. He saw that I was genuinely a good person that he wanted to help me. And when you, when you have people that are willing willing to help because they actually genuinely like you and want to see you succeed and you surround yourself with good people, you're going to have great results. And because wow. of those lessons my parents taught me, I was able to uh, create. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Meaningful relationships that wanted to see me win. And that's very rare in this day and age. That's amazing. So you 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 mentioned the, the the way that you built your clientele was literally by just being a good human being mm-hmm. pretty much but in reference to your business specifically cuz the barrier to entry i feel is lower now for a lot of things because we got the internet absolutely the internet's right? created a huge barrier to entry in almost right? every field right so it's like everybody like if if you got a good friend and you know your friend wants x and you are his sidekick and you create it, then whatever you created, you're instantly, that's what you are. Yep. Like, also, I'm a designer now. Yeah. I'm a jeweler now. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's, it's very, the, the barrier to entry is very low. So my question to you is, what do you see as your primary, um, what do you see as your value proposition? And a sea of people who do what you do, what is your value proposition? I've been there, done that. I've, I've tried, I'm tried and tested. And I think that I think could you that, delve deeper into that? Yes, I think that with the advent of social media, you're absolutely right in your business and mine alike, right? You know, if people are saying, "Oh, well, you know, I'm a jeweler because you sold one piece, and <laughs> and the, this celebrity shouted you out. Now you have tons of Instagram followers." No, you're not. You right. don't understand. 
It's the know-how. It's the understanding of having done it. It's the mistakes that I had to go through right. to be good at my particular craft. Right. I went through all of these mistakes. Mm -hmm. I've made the mistakes. I understand what works and what doesn't work. I'm tried and tested. And I've been around. And I think a lot of these people that come and go, and I'm, you've seen it in your business, mm -hmm. there's so many jewelers that have come and go throughout the course of my 20 years. Right. You see them, and then you don't see them anymore. Right. And there's a reason for that. Yes. And and so I think that that's what's, that's when, what's contributed to my longevity is that, that I do good business. Uh, word of mouth is very powerful. And, yes, and it I, is. I consider it. I, I make sure that no one leaves with a bad experience. Inevitably, you're going to have that, but I try to minimize that even even if it's at my own detriment. Wow. Well, actually, uh, actually, it's never to your own detriment if you're telling the truth because the truth you don't have to remember ever. This is true. Lies you have to remember. This is true. So if, even if you lose out on something because you told the truth, that'll come back to you tenfold. This is true. It really will. This is true. So in reference to just... Uh, <laughs> I remember my first sale, and you just laid yours out. I remember I got my first sale, and it was like, you know, it was with, uh, what was the gentleman's name? His name was uh, John Sally. Mm -hmm. I know John. And, and, and it, 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 he was like, you know, I was, he had just come to L.A. from, I believe, Chicago. He won a couple more championships. And then I started doing stuff for Steve Smith, Tyson Chandler, and just my, that, that's on the basketball side. But I was already doing stuff for, for guys at UTA, William Morris, you know, industry entertainment, all those places, right? So I remember the first big check I got, like substantial check. It was like, I believe it was like $279,000. And I was like, this is incredible. This is all mine. No, it's not. <laughs> you got to pay vendors. <laughs> you got to pay vendors. You have to pay taxes. You need to take a portion of that money, save that money, but you also had to put money back into your business, back into your experience, right? So I had a tax person who, who, who really, really fed me some good game because I got to a point where I was just like, you know what? Where are you at this weekend? Oh, you're in Japan? I'll meet you there. Where are you at? Stockholm. I'll meet you there. And like my, my uh, financial advisor said, you know what? It's cool that you're traveling because through travel, you learn more about the world and the world learns more about you. But you need to put money back into your business. Did you ever, in the cultivation of your business, have um, like a game plan when you started, like once you sold that first chain and you got ripped off, like how did you start to build out the infrastructure around your business so you weren't like out here in the cold? Well, I always try to look, I, I, I'm not the type of person that I can look 30 years ahead. I'm not going to look even 10 years ahead, but I'll, I'm definitely the type of person that likes to look five years ahead. That's always been my thing, right? right. I always do a five-year increments because I, I feel like so much can change. Like to predict 10 or 20, like we, we don't – if if we knew social media was coming, we would our, we would have changed the way we do business Correct. 20 years ago, right? Correct. So we don't know what how our environment is going to change. But with a five-year increment, I think it's a, a pretty safe bet. So what I do, I always write what I want to do, what, where I want to be in five years from now. And every Incredible. single every single year, I write it again, and I revise my five-year. Incredible. Five, and I and I do that, and that's where. So I, at least I have a destination. I don't like looking in the rearview mirror. I want to look forward. Right. So and I have to have a destination. I have to have a goal. I'm very goal oriented. Every so, year. Every year. So um, I that is what I try to what I try to do because when you're running a business you tend to not see the forest through the trees because Correct. you're micromanaging so many different things that are happening at the same time. 
sometimes you have to take a step back and look at your business from a macro level. That is why I, for me in business, I really, really enjoy asking others that are not in my business, that know me, that have been around me, or just are are looking at my business from a bird's eye view from the outside looking in, people like yourself. Mm -hmm. And I ask, what can I do better? Wow. And a lot of people are afraid of asking that question because it's like it's almost like you're admitting that you're not good. I'm okay mm. admitting I, I can sit here and look you dead in the eye and say there's a lot of things you're 10 times better than me at. Right. But I want to know those things. I want right. to learn those things so I can be so I can have be as astute and as knowledgeable as you are in those fields. You might see something in my business that I'm unable to see because I have the blinders of being stuck in the middle of it. Right. Every single day. Right. So I'm a big, per, big proponent of asking others what how you can do your job better. Even it goes all the way down to my employees. I ask them at the end of the year. At every year, I give my employees a review. Mm-hmm. At the end of that review, I want them to give me a review. Wow. Because wow. I want I and I I prep them. I say when I'm going to give you a review. I, at the end of the review, I'm expecting you to give me one, and I want it to be blunt, honest, and you will not get fired no matter what you say. Have you ever fired somebody? I've fired people, but not because of their review. Never. Never. Never held a grudge against them. Uh, I've gone, I've gone, I'm not going to lie, man. I've gone home. I've gone home where I was like, man, I can't believe he right, said that. Right, 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 right. Like, how dare he? But you know what? Sometimes you have to look, you, you need that, that hard truth. That check. I Listen, I, at the end of the day, I might not agree with everything that they're, they're saying, but mm-hmm. I, I always try to be as honest with myself as possible and look myself in the eye and say, is it a possibility that they are actually right? Right. And can I take their criticism or their suggestion and be better at my craft or better as a person, a better version of Jason? Yes, yes. So there was, um, I believe it was the last ring that Kobe won when Ron Artest hit the three-pointer. You were at that game, naturally. Yes. I saw you at that game. But my seats and your seats were very different. Can you tell me how you got the introduction into the possibility of doing the championship rings for the NBA? How did that whole thing come together? Remember when I said earlier in this conversation the power of of – Relationships? Relationships. Yes. Everything is a relationship. Everything. Right? So, like, I can go, I'm going to go back, I'm going to go back, uh, everything, I can go trace every relationship back to, like, 30 people, right? Who connected me to who, connected me to who, connected me to who, and I maintain those relationships. And, you know, if I want to look back at how I got the, how I got the Lakers was, I met Rich Paul. Mm-hmm. Who introduced me to Maverick Carter? LeBron James handles LeBron James's, you know, uh, his, yes. his business. Yes, Maverick Carter took me to uh, uh, introduced me to Roy Williams, who w- was playing football at the Dallas Cowboys at the time. Roy Williams in- invited me to a game and introduced me to a gentleman named Gary Zellman, who was a floor seat holder at the Laker game. Gary Zellman introduced me to Jesse Bus, the uh, Jesse Bus, who's the son of the late Dr. Jerry Buss. The younger one or the older the one? The youngest one. Okay. He's the assistant general manager right now. Mm-hmm. And For so, the G League team, right? No, no, that's Joey. Jesse's the assistant general manager of the, the actual team. The okay, Lakers. okay. So became good friends with him, started hanging out with him all whole t- the whole time. Then in 2009, the Lakers won the championship against the Orlando Magic. And I said, listen, I'd like to throw my name in the hat, in, in, in the race. 
And he says, okay, no problem. Let me go talk to my dad. So he told his dad, he's like, listen, I want Jason to get a shot. I had no business doing this deal. I would That's, so, so, stop right there, please. Because when you think of, you know, these NBA rings, I'm thinking that Tiffany's is making them. Tiffany's the big one. Like, I, I'm just thinking, like, these are the people. But the thing is, it all starts with the intestinal fortitude of just asking. My mom used to always say, you have not because you ask not. Yeah. And if you just ask, you'd be surprised the doors that will open for you. This is a prime example. Please continue. Yeah, you don't get what you don't ask for. I tell my kids all the time, the squeaky wheel gets oil. Like, you need... If you're not going to open your mouth, you're not going to get it. Yep, the person next to you will get it. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Right next to you. Absolutely. So I said I would like to get the opportunity to make the championship mm. rings. Knowing full well I did not have the infrastructure to handle that kind of project, I didn't have the know-how, to be quite honest with you, to be able to handle a project of that magnitude. you got to remember, it's not 12 rings. This is like a seven to 800 ring program that you have to finish in three months. Designed to production. 700 rings? That's correct. Because you because, buy for the employees, the, they buy for sponsors. It, it, it's a big project. Serious? Wow. Okay. So Dr. Bus pulled me in his in his office. He said, my son said I need to go with you, and you tell me why, and da-da-da-da. Now, mind you, I'm battling two bi- billion-dollar companies, two of them, right? Jostens, which is a billion-dollar company, and Tiffany's, which we all know. He says, you know what? My son's talks highly about you. I'm going to give it to you. I'm like, holy shit. I can't believe this guy actually gave, Are me, you give, gave me a deal. He gave me the deal. How long was the meeting? 20 minutes. When you walk in, are there like models everywhere? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Don't give oh. anything away proprietary. No, it's just- not, but it, it, it's... It's it's everything you can imagine and more. Right. Okay. 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 <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> Please proceed. Yeah. So so I he gave me a shot, and when I tell you, we almost didn't finish. We finished the last ring twenty minutes before tip off, and twenty minutes before the 20 ring. Twenty minutes. Twenty minutes. We uh, we were we were sleeping at the factory, and when I look back, you know. I don't know how we pulled it off, and by God's graces, we did. Yes. But that was when I got into the championship ring business that very year. I barely, barely, barely was able to finish. And can you imagine on TNT, opening night, ring ceremony? It's never been done before. They have an announcement that said the jeweler couldn't finish the rings on time. That would have been disastrous. Oh, my God. Oof. I had to have one of those moments Boy. where I had to say, what is the worst thing that can happen? Bro, to, 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 <laughs> to, 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 to thank your father for, give, for putting that in your mind. That right there is something that is very difficult to recover from. That was the most stress I've ever had in my entire career was that that week up until the ring program because I didn't know if we could actually finish it. So when, when you say it's 700 rings, right, you don't have to deliver all 700 no. championship ring night, but you do have to have the, the what, the 20 rings? You have to, it's, it's, it ended up being about almost 30 rings with the, with the 
the owners have to get their rings, the head coach, the coaching staff, and the players. Okay. So that was tough for me. Forget about the seven hundred. That was tough for me. I was late on the other order, but they 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 gave you grace. They gave me grace. I, I was late on the other because I couldn't do it. There's no way I could do it. And so, when you say that you were sleeping at the factory, this is the importance of having infrastructure and your infrastructure being in your backyard because you can go check it. Mm-hmm. It's not being made somewhere else. Components may be made other places, but the assembly is here. That's very. I mean, like that. That's that 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 was to your benefit. My question to you is. Why was it? What made it so arduous? What made it so difficult to do? I was learning on the job. I, I literally was learning on the job, and I was learning on a, a on the job on a major project. And so the way you manufacture championship rings is different than than you making one off custom pieces. It's okay. a you, it's a different type of mold. It's a metal mold versus a wax mold. It, I had to learn new methods of manufacturing when I was already so early on, I was only in business seven years at the time. Mm-hmm. I had to learn new methods of manufacturing um, in order to accomplish what they wanted. And so they give you an idea or do you come to them like, if I'm designing a suit or a uniform for a multinational corporation, they have, they have a guideline that they want me to follow. Do these teams know what they want? Specifically like the Lakers because they've won so many championships. It's not like it's like the Sacramento Kings who've never won ever. It's like like they have – they at that time, they, they had, what, 14 rings. Yeah. So they knew what they wanted. So I was very fortunate that I was dealing with the Lakers. Had it been any other team, I probably would have fell flat in my face and I wouldn't Serious. have been able to – But the Lakers had won so much. I think Dr. Buzz was kind of like, screw it. If he screws up, who cares? I already got so many championship rings, it doesn't matter. Right. That was to my benefit. Right. He was willing to take a risk because he's already won so many. If it was a team that, that was their first championship, they probably wouldn't have taken a risk on some 20-some-odd-year-old kid that's never done it before. Wow. And so he gives you the opportunity. You make the rings. After you make the rings, then what op- what, what other opportunities come after that? Because we already know you did the Golden State one, mm-hmm. which was incredible. And we're going to get to that. But what other opportunity, what other doors opened up that you were like, oh, my God? Well, I think that, you know, you go from being a mom and pop personal jeweler to more of a brand when you're able to do instantly instantly like it gave us instant credibility and i think that that alone really catapulted my brand my business allowed me to scale up from a retail perspective opening brick and mortar stores things like that because you know when you have a big name like a brick franchise like the lakers putting their stamp of approval and the nba it kind of gives you a certain level of perceived value a, a certain a cachet that you're not going to get otherwise Correct. so i think i had that it was a huge advantage a huge boost for my business when i was able to do that because i was able to align myself with such big names mm-hmm. and i think that you know that kind of cat even with my professional athletes they were like oh wow this is the guy that does the rings for the lakers this is the guy that does. so I, i'm gonna get people my love that they love that they yes. love that so that that helped a lot that but, helped a lot but there were no specific companies that you were like oh my god like you like 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 you like you know how I'm a married man, you're a married man. You're laying next to your wife having pillow talk. Like, was there any any company or any entity that came along with you like, can you believe this? Absolutely. We uh Forbes did a mag uh, an article on on us where Forbes came and interviewed me because we were able to disrupt the, uh, this industry where it was basically monopolized by two giants, billion exactly. dollar giants. Exactly. And they're like, How did he do it? How did he do it? Well, I'm not that smart. 
I'm not that talented. You don't give but, you, you you don't give yourself enough credit. You don't you, you don't just stumble into the office of of, but, of of Dr. Bus. But but I don't take no for an answer, and I build I build relationships one person at a time. So that's the genius right there. Yeah, I mean it's you know it's it's one of those most simple things in the world. There's no like secret sauce to that. You mm-hmm. know, you just are very cognizant and aware that you treat people with respect. You attack every opportunity. You don't take no for an for an answer, and you don't get down on yourself. Right. Now, knowing that, you know, jewelry is a very, um, it's a highly coveted item. Mm -hmm. It is, um, it's luxury. You know, there have been a rash of like, you know, break-ins and people snatching stuff. I mean, like, how, like, when you're dealing with such high level, um, such high level gems, how do you protect yourself to just make sure and you don't have to give anything proprietary away, but I'm just saying, I'm like, like, how do you like guard yourself from the foolishness that's out there? I mean, I've definitely fallen victim to that. You know, mm. we, we, you know, I've had, I've been tied up. I've had guns pointed in my wow. head. I've been pistol whipped. I've been like, you know, I've gone through that. Um, so, you know, all this in like at one time. Or just over the years. Over the years, over the years. I mean, I had one occasion where, you know, we had, you know, people dressed as FedEx workers come into my private showroom in my offices uh, pretending to deliver a package only to come in with empty boxes and guns in hand. Tied up my employees, came to me, tied me up, pistol whipped me, made me open the safe, emptied me out, and fled. That's happened. So, you know, it was... You know, it was an award show weekend, and we had, you know, a lot of people's jewelry, celebrities' jewelries that were getting clean in preparation for the weekend, new orders. I had to call all these people afterwards and say, guess what? Your jewelry's gone. Yeah. And and it was tough. And that was a major blow because I was uninsured. Uh, I was wiped out completely. Yes. And I had to start from scratch. And that wow. was one of those moments. To your to point look. earlier. Yeah. I you build me down? I'm a... I had to build it back up, and that's why I have the confidence now to look you in the eye and tell you if you take everything from me, if you clip all my wings. I'm going to come back. I'm coming back. Right. You can't stop me. Right. <laughs> but I had to fist bump you on that. That shit was hard. <laughs> so, <laughs> damn. That's why I put, if you actually look here, I have a IWNL over here. There's I a will J- not lose. Yeah, that was a Jay-Z song I would listen to when I was driving to work. And at the end of the song, he goes, I will not lose. Absolutely. And I look in my head, I would I would always repeat that as I'm walking into my office. Wow. 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 So to lighten the mood past that, because yeah. that's wow. That's that that that's very real. In reference to your creativity, have you ever had a client? Well, actually, you know what? Not really ready to get past these rings just yet. Because the Golden State ring, I saw it. And it moves what counterclockwise? You can go back yeah, and you see correct. the other the other championships. How did that come about? Like, is that something you thought about, or is that something that like, you know, the guys thought about? No, it was something I thought about. And you know how this whole like that's kind of what we're known for, right? Is to do these really intricate rings that do more than just just ha- just being a shiny piece of jewelry. It ha- it tells a story. Mm-hmm. Well, in order to tell a story, you need pages. In order to have pages, you need you need space, right. right? So when we want when we're building a ring, we want to be able to tell the story of the season, of the players, of the journey, yeah. and of the city, 
Right. Um, well, you, when you have something that's 30 millimeters by 30 millimeters, there's only so much story you can tell. So we Correct. have to create new real estate. And, right. you know, we had when we did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl rings. My brother-in-law died suddenly. And now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. When we did the Lakers 2020 championship rings, we did this twist off top where it exposes the, whether it be the stadium, wow. retired jerseys. So the Golden State Warriors situation was no no different. We just created a new way to create real estate to tell a more robust and expansive story. Wow. And and, and, and are these rings like, I know you re- re- like remember like the rings that like, you know, um, uh, Mike Singletary and, and those guys used to win. They were much smaller. Way smaller. They were like class rings. Yeah, 2009 rings that I did compared to the this last Golden State Warriors ring, it's like literally three times the size. So it's like the size of like a Kennedy silver dollar? Bigger. Or bigger than that? Bigger than that. Jesus Christ. Humongous. So it, and, and it actually fits on your finger? I mean, listen, it's not the most practical thing in the world, but you're not you're not wearing it. <laughs> you're never you wearing it. Yeah, you're never wearing it. Yeah, it's for the floss. It's for the floss. It's exactly. definitely for the floss. So do you have, like, you know, you've worked with so many people and so many entities. Is there a dream client that you have? Like, is there somebody like, man, you know, I so, would really like to do something. Man, you know, it's funny you say that. Like, I don't. I don't think I, I met my dream. I had my dream clients so early on in my career. With the Lakers? No, it actually was Michael Jackson. I, Delve deeper, please. So my entire life, I was listen. I you know growing up in the eighties and being come like, on, man, Michael Jackson. Like there is no bigger pop star. Like, no bigger. I and I was yeah. like the biggest fan. I had posters. Kids don't have posters anymore, but I had posters of Michael Jackson. So lot. Yeah, posters. Of Michael Yellow Jackson. cardigan, white yeah. shirt. Yeah, yeah. I had it all. I Continue. had all that. I was such a big Michael Jackson fan. Yeah, and. When I got in this business, I was like, man, if one day I could just make a piece for Michael Jackson, I'd be so blessed. I'd be so blessed. Well, I had the opportunity. I was I was referred. I went to the studio with a friend of mine, Big Chuck, and the producer, Just Blaze. Yes. Brought me into the studio. And with Michael Jackson? And they were with Michael Jackson. And I was like, holy shit, I'm in the studio with Michael Jackson. This is crazy. Did you know you were going to meet Michael? No, I did not know. So what was this, a birthday present for you? Like, how, like I came to deliver jewelry to them, and they said, let me introduce you to Michael Jackson. It was a dream come true. Oh, my God. So, so what does Michael say? Michael says, oh, I'd like to get a piece made. Can you come to the house, and and uh, and I want to go over it with you. I and said, this is when he was in Homely? He was in Neverland Ranch at the time. So you drive up to Santa Barbara? I drive to Santa Barbara. Happily. Oh, my God, so happy. <laughs> He gives me a tour of the home himself. Is it wait wait? Now is it just you and him, or is it you and your assistant? Or no, like, it's me. set the stage for us, Jason. So me and my close friend, uh, name is Charles Stanton, also known as Big Chuck, who's music industry guy. He says we're going to go up there together because he had a good relationship with him. It introduced me to him when we were at the studio. We drove up there. We went. We we went to the Neverland Ranch. Michael gives us a tour on a golf cart of his property. 
I'm talking about you have giraffes, you have elephants. Everything. You it's have, called Never Neverland. Oh, I mean, bro, come on. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yes, it's it was like amazing. Dreams are made of. Yes. Totally regular guy, by the way. Like, you know, everyone thinks of Michael Jackson. They, you know, I was completely starstruck. Probably the only time I've ever been starstruck in my life. Um, but this was somebody that was a dream come true because I was a kid wanting to, wow. you know, wanting to do something for Michael Jackson. And he made a... A, he does, had a family crest. He wanted me to make his family crest in diamonds. So we went ahead and we made the crest in diamonds. And I put this like chain on it, thinking he was going to wear it. And he's like, "What? What? What? What is this?" I said, <laughs> I, I, said I thought you were going to. I thought you were going to wear it. He said, "No, no, no. I want. I'm going to use this, and I need it to be nailed to the front door of each one of my kids' bedrooms and my bedroom. I made ten of them, by the way." Are you serious? He's like, I want it as a door piece on the outside door. I'm like, are you serious? Only Michael Jackson has enough money to do that. Are you serious? Yeah. You made 10? 10 of them. You know what's funny? Because as you were telling the story, I'm like, I wonder if, like, did Michael get a chain? <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and the thing is, you automatically put it on a chain because you're just thinking, I mean, naturally, you want this on a chain. He's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, no, no. I want you to put this... On the door. Yeah. And, and and by the way, the nicest guy ever. Like, you would never think that he's a worldwide celebrity, like, biggest pop icon in the history of the world. Guy was, like, as normal as you can get. You know what? Surprisingly, his voice is deeper than a lot of people realize. True. And, and the reason how I know this, I used to, prior to me becoming a designer, I, I worked at UTA, William Morris, and also worked at this place called Amon Ra Films, Wesley Snipes Film Company. Mm -hmm. So, Wesley was doing Blade, and Michael Jackson was surprisingly a big fan of Blade. So he would call up to the office when, when Wesley was doing the, not the last Blade, but the Blade before that. And he was like, you know, um, yeah, can I speak with Wesley Snipes? I'm like, may I tell him who's calling? Oh, yes, yeah, Michael. And I'm like, uh, can you tell me your last name? Michael Jackson. And I, I mean, like, other people have named the name Michael Jackson, but I'm like, I'm wondering in my mind, is this the, the Michael Jackson? So I, like, patched the call through to the guy I was working with, a guy named Victor Magali. And he's like, yeah, that was Michael Jackson. He wants to be in Blade. And I was like, what? And he would call so much because I guess Wesley already had it. Uh, he already had the film cast. But Michael was like, I'm Michael Jackson. Yeah, make room for me. Yeah, yeah. Like, make room for me. Ultimately, it, it never happened. But in reference to meeting, like, your, 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 your dream client or somebody that you've always wanted to work with, I had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to meet Stevie Wonder. Wow. And I'm not going to tell you the wild goose chase that – I went through with his team to, to, to just get to his studio. But when I met him, he was so normal, so present, but ultimately so genuine. Mm -hmm. He was like, you know, I, I was there, you know, this woman who does a lot of my production, the two of us were there. And like, you know, he's like, you know, he's working on his, uh, on, on his little, uh, um, I, I forget what the thing is called, but it helps him because naturally he can't see. Mm -hmm. So he so he finds this uh, the song he wants to play. He has a song called Mercy. He got one of these Mercy sets. He got like four of them. Mm -hmm. Made them custom. And he's like, I want you to hear this song. You know, I had this song, and then somebody told me about your piece, and I was like, you know what? I just I I, I just wanted you to hear this song. And like I'm sitting here in the studio, and this guy wrote all of these super I mean smashes, and I'm just like sitting here with him, and he's just so normal. And I think a lot of times we. Hey y'all, what's up? It's Devin here from Money Honeys. 
If you're a fan of learning about your business and finances through storytelling and pop culture, then you got to be sure to check out and subscribe to Money Honeys, a show that covers the nitty gritty of maintaining your personal wealth through fun conversation. And you know what? It's brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip hop, powered by creators. Like, look at celebrities and we think, like, there's no way they can be normal. But, like, bro, they're like, they just want a Jamba Juice, too. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. It's so true how sometimes you'll meet the biggest celebrity in the world and they'll be so so genuine, so normal, normal, so humble. And then meanwhile, you sometimes meet a D-list celebrity and they're an absolute nightmare. The biggest diva. Yeah, I just like, I never understood that. Yes. I never understood that. Yes. It just kills me. And that, you know, and with both of us being in this business as long as we have, you could basically tell right away, like, oh, you're not lasting long. Correct. Because you're, you're going to burn every bridge. Correct. You know, you know, it's interesting. Jim Moore said the exact same thing about people that he's put on the cover of, of GQ magazine. He said, I, I got to a point where I could, by the middle of the shoot, I would know if this guy's going to be around. And I would also know if the guy or the gal would burn themselves out. So interesting because we, we're in the people business. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I developed my, 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 my style and knack for talking to people because there's a lot of dead time in between measuring somebody. So when you're measuring somebody... It's either you're going to talk or it's going to be super silent. Mm-hmm. So, like, during my time of measuring, like, a LeBron or measuring, like, a Kobe, measuring any of the guys that I've done stuff for, like, me just having conversation with them, like, they open up. Because you'd be surprised. People who have accomplished a lot, when you ask them a question about how they got there, they will easily open up. Mm-hmm. If you're mm-hmm. asking for something like, like, you know, I need some money, like, naturally they're like, no. Yeah. But if you're like, can you give me jewels on X, Y, Z? They open right up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So interesting. That being said, in reference to your footprint, you started in, uh, did, did you start downtown or did you start in Beverly Hills? I started in my apartment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> downtown. I started okay. in my apartment yeah. with, with an Ikea bed. Yes, <laughs> yes. Hey, yo, talk the story. Hey, I started in my apartment. I didn't move out of my apartment until I had enough clientele to be able to open an office because in my head, I said, I went, when I started my business, I said, I want to be in the epicenter of luxury. And the epicenter of luxury in, in LA, because I know location, 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 was always, always taught. Correct. Is Beverly Hills. Right. So I went and I looked, what is the cheapest office you could possibly find in Beverly Hills? And I and, found it. And you found the Regent? I found the no 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 that's my <laughs> store my offices you have I don't think you've been in my my, okay. o- my offices are at the um, it, on the corner of Beverly and Wilshire okay so I found a small office it was uh, 180 square feet mm-hmm. on the third floor of this building oh wow and uh, I'm still in that same building by the way but mm-hmm. uh, of course a different floor and bigger correct bossed up bro yeah so uh, yeah. went over there I found that and I said. This is where I'm going to go. And I had an office. And to be quite honest with you, at that time in my career, I was visiting everyone. I wasn't. It's not like they're coming to me. Like, right. You know, I had to Correct. Go, go to them. Correct. <laughs> so Bro, I know I that story. Yeah. So I didn't. And then it wasn't until 2010 that I started actually building stores and having people. Wow. Because I knew I felt by that time I was 10 years in the game. Uh, my brother-in-law died suddenly. And now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month. 
a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. I, I had enough of a brand name that I knew that a... I needed to scale my business so that it wasn't Jason selling you the jewelry. It was Jason of Beverly Hills selling you the jewelry, right. meaning the brand itself can carry its own weight. Uh, so at that time is when I started opening stores because I knew that I, I wanted to get to a point where it was every single client, although I love to know every single client, there's only one Jason and it's only 24 hours in a day and I'm not going to be able to get to everyone. Correct. So I have to Correct. be able to build that brand experience with everyone, which is why you know, all of my branding has a red stripe on it because it 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 goes back to the roots of my brand, the red carpet. I made jewelry for people to walk on the red carpet. That was That's my right. Super Bowl. That wow. was my NBA finals, to watch my right. jewelry on the red carpet, whether it was an athlete, an actress, a musician, walking the red carpet. That's That was, that was my showcase. Wow. So I have a red carpet in every one of my stores. I have a red carpet on all my branding, on all my pa- packaging, because I want wow. to deliver that r- same red carpet celebrity experience to each and every client that comes into one of our stores. Even if they're not getting that personal attention from me, they're feeling the same way that Anthony Mason or Michael Jackson felt when I was dealing with them. That's amazing. So there are a couple of other questions I want to I, I rifle through in, in, in the segment that I do. But one question I have for you is, in reference to the uh, the expansion of your business, was it self-funded or did you, you know, have a financial model made where you could project out and then you took that to a VC or you took it to friends and family? How did you, like, get over that hump of just like, okay, now I'm doing stuff for everybody. Now it's time to open stores. That's easier said than done. It How did you do that? It was 100% self-funded, balls to the wall, taking a risk when I when a lot of people otherwise would not have done it. I, When I was built the first 10 years, I basically was doing what, exactly what you said earlier in this conversation. I was investing in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, I was building my inventory. I was building – I tried to build a pillow soft enough that if I fell, I you didn't crack your my back. Head, I wouldn't break right. my back. Exactly. Right. Right. So when I got to that point is when I, I – you know – I knew it was the time to take risk. And I always tell like, young entrepreneurs, right? Like, if you're going to take risk, take risk when you have the least to lose. When you're young, you right. don't have wife, you don't have children, you don't have anything. This is the time to never be scared. Right. Risk it all. Correct. Because you don't have to worry about <laughs> the, the, the worst case scenario is not that bad. Word. It, be, be, because it's just, I, I tell people all the time, when I initially started, it was just me. So I could work 25 hours a day, eight days a week, 366 days a year. I could do that. Yeah. But time is not your own when you take on a mate, when you merge two lives together. Absolutely. And then you bring a little life and then another little life. Yeah. And then those kids start to grow. Like, and then you got to get a house and you, I mean, like, you know. Yeah, but added responsibilities. So that, so, so that, so you pretty much were just like, I'm going to do this right now. It has to happen right now. Yep. You put a self-imposed window on yourself? I did. I, I, I knew I had to t- I had to take a chance. And like listen, even now you got to take chances in order in order to accomplish anything, you got to take chances. And sometimes you take chances and they work out and sometimes they don't. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I, I don't want to ever stop taking chances. I just won't take as big of a chance as I did correct. when I didn't have a wife, when I didn't have wife and kids. Correct. Correct. So segment time, my brother, three questions, advice you would tell a young professional, a young professional. I would say a couple things, right? It's, is what I touched on earlier is to never give up hope. Never take no for an answer and keep pushing. And and just making sure you give everyone the equal amount of respect. And I think that like it's something so simple, but something so that simple. so simple, but it's it's done wonders for me. And it's like there's no like secret formula. There's no like secret strategy that only the the only the the worthy know about. No, it's just simple shit. Like right. keep your word, be good to people. And and everything and work hard. That's it. That's it. You know what's interesting? And I'm I'm, I'm gonna pause the questions for one second. I got two more. There's a um, a podcast called Kosher Money. Mm-hmm. This Jewish guy talks about just he talks to all of these different people who are in the business of making money, making you friendly with money. Because a lot of times, a lot of people want money, and making money is not necessarily the hard thing. It's keeping it, making sure you invest it properly. All the people that he talks to. They all say the same thing. It's no magic bullet. And my mother used to always say, so did my father, you're going to pay no matter what. You're either going to pay in the beginning, the middle, or the end, but you're going to pay. So what you're saying, it just really strikes a chord because it's like, this isn't rocket science. When you meet people, treat them with respect, whether it's somebody cleaning your office or somebody you're ultimately going to get married to. Just treat them with respect, and you'll be surprised how things will open up for you. Next question. What would you share with your younger self? <sighs> that's a that's a that's a good one because there's there I, I don't like I said before, I don't I don't ever want to look back, right? With, oh I, if I did this or what if I did that, or, mm. I would have been in so much better because everything happens for a reason. I, I listen, I got Correct. robbed for a reason, I lost money for a reason. Oh. But I would say I would tell my younger self that it's okay to say no. Wow. Because every mm. every time you say yes, you're saying no to something else. Correct. Like I said, time is something you cannot buy. Doesn't matter how much t- how much money you have. But I was when I was younger, I would say yes to everything. Everything that I saw as an opportunity. Mm. I was like, "Oh, that's an opportunity." Yes. 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 Oh, do, or even a customer, right? Oh, I don't have the money. Can I pay you later? Yes. Are yes. you serious? Yes. I was afraid of disappointing people. I was afraid I was overly ambitious where I would say yes to opportunities that would clog up my day and not allow me to do my core competencies, my core business that would take me away from it. I wanted to attack every opportunity. I wanted to not let anyone down. I never wanted anyone to be upset at me. So I kept saying yes and yes and yes and yes. And every time I said yes, I'm saying no to either another opportunity. I'm saying no to progression. I'm yeah. saying no to success because it, that's what ultimate, I look back, my biggest mistakes were the yeses I said, not wow. the no's I said. <laughs> wow. I, I, I recall we had a conversation about um, a, a, a former client in, um, in, in, in the MC game. And you were just like, bro, this dude, I, I'm, I'm going to protect, uh-huh. protect the name to protect the innocent. But like, I remember that era of you, you were just like, I'm focused on getting to the next level. In terms of your level up, what set of circumstances happened to make you say, you know what? No, 
let me cut all this extra stuff and just sit right here with the meal. Well, you know, when you take when you take that macro level view of your business, like I mm-hmm. said, that's so important. That five year program that that take right. the, take a step back. And I looked and I said, you know what? And this is true for many businesses. I'm sure for yourself as well. When you realize in my business, I realized quickly that ninety percent of my business was done with only five percent of my clients. Wow. Yeah. Right. So like everything else. Everything else is just occupying space yeah, and occupying time. And I can't, I don't have the luxury of buying more time. So hmm. I, I realize that, you know, when you're dealing with a client that's a headache, that is, doesn't pay you, that is a difficult, a difficult person to deal with. Like I was like, I, I'm just getting rid of those situations. All the way. I'm, I'm just getting rid of it. Yes. My time is worth a lot. I, I've worked hard to perfect my craft. My clients have to pay for that. Pay for that because I I paid for it with my time. You better believe you paid for it. Yeah. So yeah. like when you're charging for your product, and I'm charging for my product, sometimes people say, "Well, you know, oh, well, it's expensive. It's this. It's that. Well, you know, that's what it is. You, you're 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 getting a lot. You're not just getting some newbie that just started. Like the product speaks for itself because I can tell you the difference pretty much immediately between what I provide and what other people provide, and our services and other people's services. You touch on so many points, man. Recently, I had the. Um the opportunity to dress Aldis Hodge for um, Black Adam. Saw that. And um, he sh- the, the way he shouted me out, because I made some stuff for the film, but also made some stuff for him for two premieres he did. One was in the UK and one was in New York. The way he embraced me on the red carpet during his moment, my wife saw that and she was like, that's your friend. She said, you know, all of these industry people who, you know, you help, and when you call on them, they're like, you know, because I have this thing, Jason, I always feel like some people that you help and will, I mean, like, we'll, 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 we'll go balls to the wall for. Sometimes when you ask them for things, it's not so easily reciprocated. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've dealt with situations like that. Absolutely. She said, this gentleman right here is your friend. And the reason why I know he's your friend, because th- here he is starring in this gigantic blockbuster movie. And he took a moment to shout you out. So. The reason why I brought that up is because I, too, had a reckoning of my time. My peace of mind is so more valuable. So people who will bring a million dollars to your bottom line but bring you $12 million worth of stress, it's not worth it. Absolutely. Which leads me to my final question of the afternoon. How do you find and keep peace of mind? (laughs) As I've gotten older, that the answer changes as I've gotten older. I know it has. Right. For me, I, I do have to I do have to have that occasional escape to get away so I can refocus. Correct. Um time with my family is very, very important. Very important. It's something that I didn't prioritize enough early on in my career. Yes. You suffer the consequences of that. Yes, you do whether it be with your wife or your children. I was lucky enough and fortunate enough that I just barely skated by. Wow. Right? Like How so, so when you say skated by? Meaning that like I the first 10, 12 years of my relationship with my children and my wife, 
I was work. I was, you know, I have stores in Japan. Uh, we have like I'm traveling constantly. Yeah. Uh, stores on the East Coast. Um, you know, I wasn't around. I wasn't doing that. And you know, you start to lose grip of your relationship because you're not around. Correct. You lose that tie with your children because you're not around. Correct. You. I missed both my children's first steps, which to this day I wow. kind of regret. Wow. And you know, and then we had the t- the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like for me. Level set. That was like, yeah, that was like, I okay, I'm I'm at home now. Yeah, like dad's at home. Yep, I'm I'm present with my wife, mm-hmm. and I just like it made me really appreciate what it is that I have at home as well. And right. I think that, you know, even prior to that, I kind of noticed it that I needed needed to do that shift because you know, a happier you. I always tell my salespeople right. If you're happy, you'll be a better salesperson. Correct. You'll sell more in six hours than you would in 24 hours if you're unhappy. You'll sell more in six hours happy than 24 hours unhappy. Right. And so, like, I need to have that good <laughs> right. energy for my family, for my wife, for my kids, knowing that when I walk out that door, they're fighting, they're, they're like, cheering me on, that we're all mm-hmm. on the same team, that yes. they identify well with me. Like, so, and I'm a way better business person that way. That's awesome. And, and, and your wife is integral to your business, correct? She so after the pandemic, she actually came on and just helps with like the VIP. Uh, you know, there there was never a female element to my business, hmm. and so she she like she came right after the pandemic. She started coming and kind of and dealing with a lot of our clients, dealing with their wives. Uh, you know, and added a new element to the business, which I thought was great. And then more importantly, it gave us opportunity to just be together. Yeah, and and. Were you apprehensive? Absolutely, at first? shit! I didn't want it to happen. I like what? I liked keeping business and family. The boys' separate. club, yeah, boys' club. I keep business and family separate. I grew up that way. That's yeah. that's what I identified as the right way to have a relationship. Yeah. And then I think that you know it gave her a certain level of appreciation for how hard I work, and then at the same time it gave me appreciation for what she was able to contribute to the business as well. Wow! 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 Well, that closes it. I want to thank you, Jason for taking time out of your afternoon to come and just share just life experiences and also, you know, just game about business, business. I always say that, you know, it's so important to know the business of your business because if you don't know the business of your business, you won't be in it long. This is true. You won't be in it long. And you've been in it 20 years strong. I'm trying. No, no, no. It's no such word as trying. (laughs) It's either you're doing or you aren't. But either way, I appreciate you very much. This is War Air Boswell, and this is The Measurables. Thank you. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. 
Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Take your business further with the American Express Business Gold Card. Now smarter and more flexible. It's packed with enhanced benefits that are built for your business. All with the powerful backing of Amex. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.